Our guest today is an attorney representing President Trump and our friend General Michael Flynn, Jesse Benal, on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and the Deep State and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 365 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, click on the button that says Become a Patron, and we really appreciate all of our patrons. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode, and make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Our guest today is Mr. Jesse Benall, one of the attorneys representing former President Trump, and Michael Flynn. He is the president of the Alumni Association of the Antonin Scalia Law School at George Mason University. He's licensed to practice before the United States Supreme Court and quite a few lower federal courts. He has served as parliamentarian to four presidential campaigns, and he has won a lot of big cases in court. If you want to find out more, about Mr. Banal's sterling record in the courtroom, because it is impressive. The website is banal.com. That is B-I-N-N-A-L-L.com. Now, before I bring him on, let me tell you why I like this gentleman, just right off the bat. Back on December 19th, 2020, he went out on Twitter and said, YouTube has decided that my opening statement in the U.S. Senate, given under oath, and based upon hard evidence, is too dangerous for you to see. They removed it. To this day, our evidence has never been refuted, only ignored. Why is Google so afraid of the truth? Hashtag Big Brother. Then, the odious former TV host, Keith Olbermann, noticed a typo, something that we all do from time to time. (laughs) Speaking of which, sometimes we all notice typos, sometimes we all do typos. Anyway. Olbermann called Mr. Banal stupid and a bubblehead, to which Mr. Banal responded, Yeah, I transposed two letters in a rather obvious typo. You were fired for an ethics violation when you violated your company's pay-to-play policy. Let that sink in. You are too unethical for MSNBC. But nice try. We're on. We're honored to welcome Mr. Banal to the Doc Washburn Show. Counselor, how are you today? Doc, I'm doing great. Thanks for that introduction. How are you doing? I'm doing great, too. It's good to have you on. It's an honor. Now, you recently filed a $50 million lawsuit 
on behalf of General Mike Flynn. Who did you file it against, and what is this all about? So this is something called the Federal Tort Claims Act lawsuit, and when you file these lawsuits, um, you, you have to file them against the, the government. Unfortunately, the people that we'd like to file this against would be uh, people like, uh, you know, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and Jim Comey and Andy McCabe. But unfortunately, things like sovereign immunity make it so that we can't sue them directly. So instead, we have to we have to essentially sue their employer, the U.S. government. And so we filed that to to finally try to get some accountability for uh, all the horror um, that a real American hero, uh, General Flynn, was was put through. Now, when I was researching this online, I saw some of those names come up: people like Jim Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok. Robert Mueller, even, and, mm-hmm. and Brandon Von Grack. Now, I wouldn't want to be in any of their shoes in a deposition hearing with you, even though, unfortunately, because, like you say, sovereign immunity, you can't hold them personally accountable. However, now, a lot of my listeners probably, when they hear names like Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Lisa Page, Mueller, they're probably thinking, yeah, I, I kind of know who those people are. But the name Brandon Von Grack or Brandon Van Grack may be someone they're not really familiar with. What do they need to know about this guy? Yeah, so um, Brandon Van Grack was um, the primary prosecutor um, in charge of the Flynn case all the way up to the day when the government finally moved to dismiss his lawsuit. And he was a a real um, crusader in in that case, uh, you know, both for for trying to get uh, General Flynn to ad- admit to things uh, that simply weren't true, um, all the way to um, as as we've outlined in our in our case, um, and uh, and I can expand on that um, to to really being part of the very very political Mueller prosecution, um, and uh, let me just give you one example. Um, sure. He he took and um and and uh, there's evidence that that we were able to to introduce that that bore this out. Um, when you when you have a guilty plea in federal court, one of the things that um, uh, prosecutors are uh, are supposed to promise that they've done. Defense attorneys are supposed to promise um, that they haven't participated in it is whether or not there are any side deals. You're not supposed to have side deals. Any deal that you have with the government is supposed to actually be in a plea agreement. But they all were very open with the fact that they had a side deal that wasn't in that agreement. And that was um, that if if General Flynn were to, to plead guilty, that they wouldn't um, uh, go after and, and prosecute his son, his, his son who was just about to have um, a, a newborn baby at the time about to be a father for the first time. And I think as most parents will tell you, um, one, one good way to, to get people uh, to get leverage over, over a parent is to threaten their kids. Um, and even though uh, Michaelson Jr. never did anything wrong at all, just that threat was something that Brandon Van Grack tried to, to leverage, unfortunately, um, for this, this whole um, snafu that, that happened. Um, in federal court uh, before uh, eventually um, First Judge uh, uh, Contreras 
and then Judge Sullivan in federal court in D.C. And, and Brandon Van Grack never let up. Matter of fact, he became such a crusader um, for his political agenda that when it came time um, where the Department of Justice admitted that there was no crime, that there was no reason to prosecute General Flynn, he, he withdrew from the case right before the government's motion to dismiss was filed, and then later left the Department of Justice. And, of course, in this permanent bureaucracy that you and I know so much about, is now at a, at a big law firm um, and uh, rather than um, at, the, at the Department of Justice, but still, you know, still unfortunately uh, involved in, in many of the same crusades that he was when he was in government uh, power. Okay, now... If I recall correctly, uh, I think another thing that happened about that time was when Flynn's new defense team discovered some exculpatory evidence, uh, Brady material, yeah. if you will, that the prosecution had hidden oh, yeah. from Flynn's original defense team. It, didn't that maybe have something to do with Van Grack uh, withdrawing from the uh, prosecution, if I remember correctly? Well, I mean, it's what he should have done. He, he should have when the, when the government started producing the Brady evidence that we had long asked for. Not only should he have resigned from the case, he should have resigned from the Department of Justice, and he should have given up his law license. Yeah. Um, but he knows, unfortunately, that there's no accountability towards prosecutorial misconduct. Quite frankly, I think every prosecutor that violates Brady should be, should be criminally prosecuted, and there is statutes on the book uh, on the books that would allow that to happen. But no, Brandon Van Grack didn't resign because out of shame, like he should have, when that information was discovered, he resigned because he was so upset that the government was going to finally do the right thing and dismiss the, the charges against uh, General Flynn. Okay. All right. So before we get to your represent, representation of President Trump, um, you have spoken about Andrew Weissman on social media. Again, that might be a name that a lot of my listeners are going, oh, wait a minute, who is that again? What do my listeners need to know about him? And since you mentioned sovereign immunity, do you think sovereign immunity is one of the reasons that he's still walking around a, a free man or at least that he hasn't had, you know, lost a lot of money in, in lawsuits? Well, it's certainly the probably, in, in my opinion, I think it's it's why he hasn't lost a lot of money um, from lawsuits. Um, he could still, uh, if, you know, a, a prosecutor had the, the guts to bring charges and if they could prove a case, he could still be criminally prosecuted okay. um, for what he did. But, um, but yeah, that sovereign immunity definitely, um, and, the, the, and things like uh, other immunities that are out there, um, do protect him from civil liability. And, and Andrew Weissman, you're right, is a, another very important pe- uh, person for for your listeners to know about. Andrew Weissman um, spent years and years at the Department of, uh, of Justice. Um, first in, uh, spent a lot of time up in New York. I don't know if that was his first assignment, but it's where he spent tons of time uh, up in the Southern District of New York. Um, and I think uh, the Eastern District of New York as well. And then in, in D.C., and the uh, one really good example about Andrew Weissman is when he was uh, in D.C., he was the uh, at one point, I believe he was the general counsel of the FBI. He was also then the head of the fraud section for the entire Department of Justice. And he was the, the person that really ran, truly ran the, the Mueller investigation, as I think all Americans eventually saw um, when uh, uh, Mueller testified. He was no longer 
of uh, enough didn't have quite a, enough of his faculties to be running that political prosecution. It was Andrew Weissman that was um, the one who was really the uh, the boss of of that prosecution. And um, this guy that used to be the head of the fraud section wiped his government-issued cell phone not once but twice. Now, that's, again, that's something that's prohibited by federal law. But Andrew Weissman always has believed that he's above the law. Uh, and I, I think that he has uh, always acted that way, that the, the rules are meant for the people that he goes after. The rules aren't meant for him. He is a, an extreme partisan, um, and he is, is uh, now in, in private practice. He, if, if anybody has the stomach to watch MSNBC, you'll, you'll see him on there. Uh, quite often as a as a, a contributor, but now he's out of government. He's just making tons of money and and uh, free as a bird. A lot of people think that that Durham uh, should have prosecuted um, him. Uh, I certainly believe that he should have been prosecuted by by Durham. Um, but he is is somebody who as uh, is, uh, is a name everybody should know uh, if you're looking for the uh, particular bad actors who have really corrupted our justice system in this country. Uh, no question about it. And, and earlier on, uh, like over 20 years ago, um, he, he, 85,000 people lost their jobs uh, at Arthur Anderson because of what Andrew Weissman did. And by the time he was reversed, nine to nothing by the Supreme Court, and it was yeah. too late for them. So that's the guy that yeah. Bob Mueller said, hey, here's the guy I want being my right-hand man to, uh, to run this uh, – this witch hunt on on President Trump, and uh, I don't know. I mean, we're all going to have to stand yeah. before God someday and give an account for what we did on this earth. But it would be nice, like you say, if a federal court, if a federal prosecutor, at some point would indict this this Weissman guy. It's just it's outrageous to me. Um, yeah, no. At, at some point, we really do need a, a Department of Justice that tells prosecutors, uh, federal prosecutors, state prosecutors, you are not above the law. Yeah. And um, rather than going after people for, for peddly offenses that really don't hurt anybody, um, we should turn the power of the United States Department of Justice loose on those who have, uh, have abused their authority in uh, the Department of Justice, the FBI, state prosecutors' offices, etc. Absolutely. Again, we're speaking with Jesse Benal, who is a, a great attorney for President Trump and also General Mike Flynn. You represented President Trump in Nevada uh, shortly after the 2020 election. You had incontrovertible truth of massive fraud in a state that doesn't get mentioned very often uh, in, in 2020, Nevada, easily enough to have proven that the Democrats stole that state for Biden, and yet the court didn't want to hear your case. That'd be very frustrating. How could they have possibly turned you down? Well, I think at the end of the day, um, judges too often are rather risk adverse. They never want to be the first one to do something. Yeah. And, um, for the, to ask a, a trial judge to be the first one to say that the emperor has no clothes um, it's always a really, really heavy left. And you always want to see if you can find a, a courageous judge 
um, who actually take that step. Um, unfortunately, in this case, uh, we had a, a judge that let um, the Perkins Coie lawyers, um, you know, Hillary Clinton's legal team, yeah, uh, and Barack Obama's uh, legal team, and of course Joe Biden's legal team, um, provide him with findings of facts and conclusions of law, and that judge just signed what, what they handed them. Uh, you know, he gave us a couple hours to put our, our evidence together, wouldn't even hear um, witnesses, uh, even though we were ready to put on witnesses, limited the amount of depositions we could put in, um, tried to cut off our, our needs at, at every opportunity. But even with that, we were able to, to just put together, um, I, I think, what most people would say was the, the strongest case of voter fraud that was able to be put in front of a, a court anywhere in the country and still just simply, you know, blindly sign the, the papers that were put in front of them uh, by the uh, by the Perkins Coie's uh, lawyers. And so that was very unfortunate. Um, and um, I mean, and that's, of course, an understatement. It's, it's tragic, of course, what happened in, in 2020 uh, for our entire country. Uh, but that's what happened in the, the short version, at least. Yeah, no question. It is tragic. And so a lot of us are out here looking at the ramp up to the presidential campaign and the primaries next year. And uh, uh, people on social media are, are getting upset with each other. And I'm pro-Trump. I'm pro-DeSantis. But a lot of us are thinking, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If the Democrats got away with it. In 2020, uh, the, not not just Nevada, like I say, a state that, that isn't mentioned very often, but the five other swing states, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and those states have not taken concrete steps to fix what allowed the steal in 2020. And we just saw, I believe, uh, the gubernatorial and, and uh, AG and U.S. Senate race stolen in Arizona just a few months ago. What is to stop them from stealing it again in 2024? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And what we need to do is is we need to be very very active at uh, first of all recognizing the game the way it is played now and uh, and making sure that you know we don't unilaterally disarm. That is right now. If, if I can just drum one particular beat into all freedom-loving Americans. It is, um, our founders would never want us to be the ones who have unilaterally disarmed. Um, we need to, uh, to be very, very active when it comes to uh, making sure that every freedom-loving American, whether they're registered to vote now uh, or, or not, if they're not, we need to get them registered to vote. We need to make sure they're registered at their current address. And we need to make sure that in states where it's legal, that, um, uh, that we are legally uh, ballot harvesting to make sure that we get those people's votes. We need to put together machines that, um, you know, we're certainly capable. We're, we're far s- smarter than our, than our opponents. Um, we, and we're certainly more hardworking. Uh, we just have, have really not done much to counter the machine that they've put together um, uh, at this point. And so we need to do that. We need to put together a machine um, that can go out and make sure that, uh, every freedom-loving American cast their votes uh, for for Donald Trump in 2024. And if we do that, and if we remain vigilant, and if we're able to, the important thing for these lawsuits is they generally do not work after elections. 
any uh, legal case that we have, we need to be bringing them in the years leading up to the elections, not after the elections. And um, and so we need to be diligent on the front end as, as well. And if we do all that, you know, I'm very confident that um, uh, Donald Trump is going to be our, our once and future president. Great, great. It'll be the only the second time in history. Glo- Grover Cleveland yep. did it back in the late 1800s. Um, yep. So speaking of President Trump, in, in what current litigation are you representing him? So I currently represent him in a number of civil litigation cases uh, regarding January 6th. Um, and I'm, I'm somewhat limited as to what I can talk about in active ongoing litigation. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but those are the cases that, that I represent him in and in another, uh, other assorted cases across the country uh, as well. Okay, so so basically, as a defense attorney and some civil litigation stuff, not not in any um, uh, pressing lawsuits that he's bringing in against anybody. Um, I, other than in, I, I do some appellate work um, for him in in some of those other cases, um, such as the the lawsuit. Um, against uh, against Hillary Clinton in, in Florida, I, I uh, represent him personally in, in on appeal in that case. Um, most of my cases have to are either involved in uh, appeals with him or uh, some pretty serious constitutional questions being litigated in uh, uh, civil cases. Okay, and I understand there are certain things you can discuss, certain things you can't discuss, but I, I'll just say this. Yeah. When he did sue Hillary Clinton, it, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. But most of the media ignored it. And then I didn't know until you just told me that he is appealing uh, the decision of the court that went against him in his lawsuit against Hillary Clinton. So that's that's a great thing. I don't know if you can uh, maybe give a, a thumbnail sketch for my listeners about what that, that lawsuit is all about. It, at least perhaps you could discuss what was publicly re- reported in, in the media, but, but was you know not reported very much. Well, this is a case that was brought by some very, very good lawyers at, at the trial level. It was a solid factual case um, that had to do with um, the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax and trying to get some civil accountability um, against a number of people regarding uh, all the, the, you know, everybody from, from Hillary Clinton to, to James Comey and Peter Strzok and others. Um, and so the, the unfortunate thing is there are too many uh, judges in this, in this country right now that have allowed themselves to be too politicized and the, um, um, uh, the decision in the uh, the trial court in that case was what I will kindly say was unfortunate. Um, unfortunate, in, not only in its decisions, but in, unfortunate in its in its uh, language and, and the the whole tenor of the opinion. Uh, it is past time that we need judges that act like judges. Uh, whether they are judges in D.C. or New York or, or, you know, anywhere else where there are judges that will truly put on the robe and at that point um, ignore their political biases, ignore what they've read in the Washington Post and the New York Times, and look at the evidence that's put in front of them and then make a uh, 
sober, reasoned decision based on the facts and the law. And uh, the unfortunate thing is we're we're not seeing much of that right now, and that's one of the things that I think is truly and uh, unfortunately tearing America apart is um, there are too many freedom-loving Americans uh, that say, geez, if the former president of the United States, um, former and future president of the United States, I should say, uh, is it can't get a, a fair shake in court. How am I going to get a fair shake? In court? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, yeah. They, they, they've too many judges who've forgotten that there's a reason uh, that there is a blindfold on the lady holding the scales uh, in in a lot of the courtrooms, and have forgotten they're supposed to be impartial finders of fact. Yeah. Yeah, let, let, let me tell you a funny story about that because it's so true. Sure. What you just said. And uh, Judge Emmett Sullivan, who many of your listeners will know, is uh, the the judge in General Flynn's case. Oh, yeah. In his, in his courtroom, he has uh, such a uh, setup where you have Lady Justice holding – the scales of, of justice blindfolded and the scales are, are working scales that actually go back and forth and always, uh, in his courtroom, every time I've been in there, um, the scales have been all the way tilted, um, over not balanced. And that unfortunately, um, for a, a judge that started off, um, really being a, a, I think a pretty fair judge. Um, but, became so radicalized in politics that um, that is an accurate description, uh, unfortunately, I think, of, of what justice is like in, in his courtroom. And unfortunately, you know, you don't have cameras in federal courtrooms, so you can't actually see what it's like. But it's uh, uh, unfortunately a very poetic example of what justice is like in many courtrooms in this country right now. From you know, b- b- before you, and I know you you don't have much more time, but before we we go, some of my listeners who may be uh, big fans of General Mike Flynn probably don't know, since you mentioned his name, what Judge mm-hmm. Emmett Sullivan did when DOJ said, "Okay, wait a minute, we've taken a fresh look at this case." And we're going to drop the prosecution because, um, you know, the, the previous DOJ prosecutors, basically, they, 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 there's no case. They, they, Flynn didn't break yeah. the law. And, and then what did Emmett Sullivan do that was so outrageous and actually got him smacked down by a higher court? Yeah, so what he did was instead of saying, okay, prosecution, I accept what you're saying. This is truly outrageous what's happened here, uh, where you put an innocent man through this for, for years. And, you know, shame on the prosecutors. Uh, I want some sort of investigation DOJ as to what happened. Instead, he said, I don't trust this Department of Justice because it's, you know, it was during the Trump administration. So I'm going to appoint my own prosecutor. He, he called it, a you know, a, an amicus. Um, but in, in essence, what it was is he appointed his own prosecutor um, to uh, uh, write a brief as to uh, whether or not the um, uh, the case against General Flynn shouldn't, in fact, be dismissed and ordered briefing. And, of course, the, the prosecutor that, that he appointed is a former federal judge who was from the, the same uh, small group that Andrew Weissman was from. 
So somebody in from New York who was, as I understand it, very close with, with Andrew Weissman. So he, of course, uh, you know, without any doubt, um, said that the charges against General Flynn should not be dismissed and the court should continue the persecution of, of General Flynn, even though the prosecution no longer wished to do that. Um, and um, that led to some appeals, but what Judge Sullivan was betting on, what he wanted to do, um, and it's very apparent from this, it's not like he ever said this, but this is, in, in my opinion, something that's very clear, is he wanted to run the, the clock down on the Trump administration. He thought there was a good chance that, that uh, President Trump wasn't going to uh, win re-election. And so rather than have the dismissal from the Department of Justice, um, he wanted to basically force a, a pardon. Um, and and so he, he, unfortunately, even though he, uh, much of his reasoning was rejected by the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals let him take another shot at it, and of course he delayed so long um, that the uh, the Justice Department, um, well, uh, that President Trump did end up pardoning General Flynn, but it was very uh, clear in that case that it was, um, it was because General Flynn was innocent all along um, that the, the pardon was given. Yeah, well, no, no question about it. And it, uh, what what Judge Sullivan did was unprecedented. Um, it was yeah. um, extra. Can, can I can I use the term extra legal? It was outside the law. What yeah. what what he did? There was no there was no legal justification for him doing what he did. No, that's right. It's in this country we have an adversarial process, um, as opposed to some European countries that have what's called in in. Uh, an inquest for, um, where you essentially have the prosecutor and the judge being on the, on the same side, or perhaps even the, the judge is also the prosecutor. Yeah. Um, in this country, it's adversarial. So when you have the, the two sides of litigation that agree on something, the judge isn't supposed to say, hey, actually, I do want this person prosecuted, even though um, the uh, the United States government no longer believes that he should be prosecuted, so I'm going to appoint my own prosecutor. That's something that flies in the face um, of the uh, of the Constitution of the United States, of what the, the government the founders gave us. Uh, Judge Sullivan really should have um, been truly, truly embarrassed by uh, by that. But instead, I think he's really proud that he was able to to put his his partisan robes on instead of his judicial robes and. Uh, take such real real extreme and unprecedented acts. Amen. Absolutely. Uh, Jesse Benal, um, attorney for President Trump and General Mike Flynn, we, we really appreciate you coming on the program today. Again, if uh, yeah. my listeners want to find out more, it's uh, B-I-N-N-A-L-L.com. God bless you, sir. We appreciate you going to bat for these gentlemen who have been really, really unfairly maligned. What has been done to them sets terrible precedents in our system of uh, jurisprudence, and we, we wish you Godspeed. I, I guess in closing, as we say here in the South, y'all come see us. <laughs> I'll be back anytime. All right. God bless you, brother. I, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Doc. Okay. Um, you know, I'm I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have the opportunity to speak with people like this. Um, I'll just say this right now. 
we do have an interview scheduled for this Friday with the guy who got Dan Rather fired. <laughs> That's going to be fun. No, I just, I was out there on Twitter minding my own business. I'm not a normal person like yourself. I was out there on Twitter minding my own business and somebody was talking about the case that got Dan Rather fired and a gentleman was saying, hey, that was me. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. And I did some checking and sure enough, that was him. And next thing you know, we're reaching out to him saying, hey, you know, we we kind of like to talk to you about that. Uh, it'd be an honor if you would ever make yourself available for an interview. And he's like, yeah, sure, man. When do you want me to come on? So coming up uh, Friday, March 31st, we will be interviewing the gentleman that got Dan Rather fired. So that should be fun. There's a lot going on in the news. Uh, We have uh, more fallout from the horrific shooting at the Christian school in Nashville just a couple of days ago. A lot to talk about coming up here on the Doc Washburn Show. Look, if you try to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they will drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com and pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online. If you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the Nationwide Car Dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental U.S., RedRiverAuto.com. You'll be glad you did. Okay, I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for that atlas bone, that C1, to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever, 
for five or six weeks every spring all my life. I had bad migraines year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, the migraines went away, and they haven't come back. And that was years ago. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, even even migraines, call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside central Arkansas, just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. Now, as you probably know by now, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. And he's done it again. Introducing MyPillow 2.0. Now, MyPillow 2.0 has a brand new temperature-regulating technology that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. MyPillow 2.0's new fabric dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a cooler surface temperature. This new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature through the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. You know, your core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. MyPillow 2.0 was developed to provide a cool surface. It's engineered for comfort. MyPillow 2.0 is available in four loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and there's a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. As a special introductory offer for my listeners, when you buy your new MyPillow 2.0, you get a second one free just by using promo code DWS. Now, Mike also created the best bed sheets ever, Giza Dreams sheets. They look great. They feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dreams sheets. Now, Mike is offering the best deal on his Giza Dreams sheets. Buy a set of them, get one free. The first night you sleep on these sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. Buy a set of Giza sheets, get one free just by using promo code DWS. Now, my pillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles like plush, Waffle, Gossamer, get huge discounts on blankets, duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Use that promo code DWS, and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding, including MyPillow 2.0 and Giza Dream Sheets. Buy one, get one free. I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins. Even as we speak, I had no idea slippers could feel this good. Right now, Save on my slippers, slip-ons, and moccasins. Close-out sale price at just $25 by using promo code DWS. Not only that, Mike is having the biggest close-out sale ever on his sandals for just $19.98. What makes my slippers different is Mike's exclusive four-layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My slippers patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Wear them anytime, anywhere. 
Just use promo code DWS. And remember, that does not stand for washed-up Democrat politician Debbie Wasserman Schultz. No, no, no. DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com, MyStore.com, where Mike sells all kinds of stuff. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. Oh, what can you say about this horrific, horrific shooting at the Covenant School, the Covenant Christian School in Nashville just two days ago as I'm doing this live stream recording this podcast? Well, The justifications have already started. Ben Ashford in Nashville, Tennessee, writing for Daily Mail, the UK Daily Mail, which is supposed to be the most conservative newspaper out of Great Britain. Well, not today, I guess. Exclusive. Nashville mass school shooter Audrey Hale was rejected by her Christian parents who couldn't accept she was gay and trans as cops revealed she also planned to shoot relatives. Really? So they're looking for an excuse for the mass murderer. That that is what is going on here. And I think it's outrageous. I mean... Can you imagine? The implication here is that it's somehow, it's understandable. The implication here is that somehow the parents are responsible. Let's take a look at this article. Twisted school shooter Audrey Hale was at odds with her devout Christian parents because they couldn't accept she was gay and transgender, DailyMail.com can exclusively reveal. Church coordinator Norma, 61, and her husband, Ronald, 64, refused to let Hale, who had recently adopted the name Aiden and used he-him pronouns, dress as a man in their home. The 28-year-old loner, would instead wait until she left their $700,000 Nashville property to change outfits according to a well-placed source. Oh, well, if you got a well-placed source, then that's all you need, right? Now, I wonder, because a lot of people responding to this Said she's 28, still living at home. Hey, if she wants to dress up like a guy, um, then why doesn't she get a job and move out? Oh, by the way, by the way, the conspiracy theories have already started. The conspiracy theories have already started. So this guy on uh, Twitter says, shocking, someone this narcissistic and focused on their identity 
fiction had zero empathy for others, including children. Our society is sick. Well, that's true. And then this woman says, if it actually happened, a lot of 33s in the story, kind of fishy. And I responded, you must be kidding. And so then she responds with uh, pictures of tennis shoes. And I responded, my pastor is friends with the pastor whose daughter was murdered, but by all means, you do you. And now she responds three minutes ago saying, I have friends of friends too. Unless I'm personally there to witness something, I don't ever say I know for sure, and you do you, pal. Okay, I'm going to respond, sure you do. Because I'm not, I'm not putting up with this kind of mental illness. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> but there's so many people upset with the UK Daily Mail on this. Oh, and, and, and did you see the tweet from Jocelyn Berry? Did you hear about this? Press secretary for uh, the woman masquerading as governor of Arizona, Katie Hobbs. She's got a little video clip from a movie with a woman pointing two guns. She says, us when we see transphobes. So obviously, she was endorsing violence against people who disagree with her about the mental illness called transgender. And then she took her Twitter account private, and now she has resigned her job. But that's the kind of people, that's the kind of person right there that Democrat politicians hire, people who endorse political violence. That's what's going on here. And now Twitter is going back to their old ways before Elon Musk and suspending people. They, they suspended the, the CEO of the Federalist, Sean Davis, for tweeting factual reporting on the upcoming Trans Day of Vengeance. He said the cold-blooded mass murder at a Christian school in Nashville by an apparent transgender person, came just days before a planned Trans Day of Vengeance organized by the Trans Radical Activist Network. I mean, this is not the first mass murder by somebody who claims to be transgender. Oh, but no, I got more. Nashville police refuse to release trans school shooters' manifesto. The Daily Caller has a story, and we know why. Boy, they got the uh, the officer body cam video out there really quickly. And fine, God bless the officers for stopping the threat. But uh, you know why they are refusing to release the manifesto because it makes the transgender people look bad. You know? I mean, how is it, how would releasing the manifesto in any way hurt an active investigation when the perpetrator is stone cold dead? And by the way, 
when the perpetrator is now the recipient of God's unmitigated wrath for eternity. Because that's what happens. I mean, that's a whole other show. But that's what happens. Just in case you're the kind of person who thinks that hell is um, eternal separation from God, there's a verse in the Gospel of John which says his wrath remains on the unbelievers. No, people in hell, they're not eternally separated from God. They're the recipient of his wrath forever. So I hadn't planned on talking about that today, but that's what's up with Audrey Hale. Anyway, my point is that there's no excuse for them not to release the manifesto. So anyway, let's uh, let's listen here a little bit to uh, to Nashville Police Chief Drake. Our investigations tell us that she was a former student uh, at the school. I don't know what grade she's attended or grades, but we do uh, firmly believe she was a student there. Did she identify as transgender? She does uh, ident- identify as transgender, yes. Is there any reason to believe the shooter first went to the church before going to the school? Uh, I can't give you that information, Alonso. Uh, we know that the minute the calls came in, we responded uh, to the church, so to the school. Yeah. So it was five officers that immediately went in uh, and addressed. Uh, we have video that we're going to release, but you can see in the video, you can hear gunfire going on as they're uh, in the school. Uh, they address the threat and, and take that threat down. And Chief, what do we know about the So we know there were two AR-style weapons, one a rifle, another was an AR-style pistol, and the other was a a handgun. Uh, We believe two of those may have been obtained legally, locally here. Can you confirm that one of the adult victims, uh, Catherine, was head of the school? Was what? There was some, I don't know her exact capacity within the school, but it was higher up in the echelon. And were any of the children victims related to any of the school staff? Uh, unsure. I believe one may have been, but I can't confirm that. Did the shooter have any criminal, criminal history? No history at all. And no motive at this point? Uh, anything discovered in the apartment or house? No, we have a manifesto. We have some writings that we're going over uh, that uh, pertain to this day, the actual incident. We have a map drawn out of how this was all going to take place. Uh, there's right now a theory of that's, that we may be able to talk about later, but it's not confirmed. And so we'll we'll put that out as soon as we can. And Chief, is there any reason to believe that how she identifies I'm sorry, I'm not someone's Michael. I didn't hear you say that again, sir. Is there any reason to believe that how she identifies is has any motive for targeting the school? I, we can give you that at a later time. There is uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads, and once we know exactly, we'll let you know. So was this a targeted attack? 
It was. Don't know any history of mental illness uh, at this time, but we are looking at that as the investigation is ongoing. And I'm sorry. She identifies as a transgender man or woman? Uh, woman. Was this the only school that was targeted? It was the only school that was targeted. Uh, there was another location that was mentioned. Uh, but because of a uh, threat assessment by the suspect, uh, too much security, they decided not to in that area. So they're not going to. They're not going to release the uh, manifesto because they got an open investigation. Now, unless, and I, I can't count this out, unless the police department thinks that there was some kind of collaborator, some kind of conspirator, what harm does it do to release the manifesto? And I can't rule that out, but because so many of these transgender activists on social media are like, well, look, it's awful what she did, okay, or he did, or, or whatever they want to call it. No, we don't condone that. That's bad. However... So most of them really are not going to, um, I don't know, maybe they will. I was going to say most of them aren't going to uh, actually follow through with violence, but this is like the fifth one in the last few years. Tucker Carlson had the list. Was it Tucker or, or Jesse Kelly? Pardon me, not Jesse Kelly, Jesse Waters. Well, Jesse Kelly probably did too. This is the fifth one in the last three or four years. Somebody who uh, identifies as transgender starts shooting up other folks. I wonder what kind of drugs these people are on. You know? Makes you wonder. Now, the pastor is saying that it is a hate crime. While Joe Biden, good old dementia Joe looking for ice cream, laughed about it laughed about it. It's all a big joke to Lunch Bucket Joe. I got that coming up, too. No, I'm not intentionally trying to raise your blood pressure. I, I, I'm sorry. I just, but I don't back down from a fight. And I don't uh, soft pedal things. And uh, We need to face what's really going on. That's coming right up. I don't know if you heard, but AT&T recently lost billions of dollars on Wall Street after their satellite outfit, DirecTV, decided to delete Newsmax. If you want to drop AT&T or any of, the, any of the other big liberal cell phone carriers, I have the perfect solution for you. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. And Patriot Mobile guarantees your coverage. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes 
as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responder heroes. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. And make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. The great Ronald Reagan once said, Inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. That means precious metals are an asset, commodity, or currency that maintain their value without depreciating over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. So we're honored to join forces with Beverly Hills Precious Metals and its owner, Andrew Sorcini. Andrew has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Andrew Sorcini and his team at Beverly Hills Precious Metals know the gold and silver business inside and out. After many years in the markets and collecting precious metals privately, Andrew opened Beverly Hills Precious Metals in 2010 to bring precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. We found out about Andrew Sorcini and Beverly Hills Precious Metals from General Michael Flynn, and we're glad we did. Andrew is a frequent guest on conservative podcasts. Beverly Hills Precious Metals is our gold buyer of choice. To learn more about Andrew and his team, go to bh-pm.com. The BH stands for Beverly Hills. The PM stands for Precious Metals bh-pm.com. Now, if you can't remember that, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. No matter what search engine you use, it's the first thing that comes up. Make sure you ask about the General Mike Flynn silver coin, too, and let him know Doc Washburn sent you. We're honored to be able to tell you about Beverly Hills Precious Metals in an effort to help you in your attempts to protect your family's finances, wealth, and investments bh-pm.com or Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. Now, I've been talking about how the world's going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, and sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic while so many little guys, small business owners, regular people, were forced to close. The wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom and pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? What can we do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. 
Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally, we can shop Factory Direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Switch to America.com is helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created, with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customer f- customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of patron influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big, woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We are done with a woke, globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. The website is switchtoamerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Now, an even more exciting addition is fresh American-raised beef. Raised in the Montana mountains near Yellowstone, this beef is known as Never Ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When it asks how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. SwitchToAmerica.com. Okay, now, I want to play for you Joe Biden laughing about the school shooting in Nashville. This is only 17 seconds long. There is a lot of noise in the background because the question is being asked outdoors. So if you don't get it, I'll read to you what is being said. You know, if, if you have a hard time uh, hearing what's being said, but here we go. You believe that I have no idea. Josh Foley believes they were. What do you say to that? Well, I probably don't that. Probably don't. No, I'm joking. No, I have no idea. Okay. So here's what was said. Because it's the sound of the, the helicopter outside. Apparently he had just gotten off the helicopter and getting ready to walk into the Oval Office. Do you believe that Christians were targeted at the Nashville school shooting? Do you believe that Christians were targeted? Biden says, with a little smile on his face, a little grin on his face, I have no idea. The person says, Josh Hawley believes they were. What do you say to that? And that's when Biden chuckles and says, I probably don't then. And he says, I'm joking, still chuckling. And he says, no, I have no idea. It's all a joke to this guy. It's all a joke to this guy. I'll tell you what. 
It's not going to be a joke when he's got to stand before God. I'll tell you that right here and right now. It's outrageous. Now, the pastor says this was a hate crime. And Josh Hawley says it was a hate crime. And Josh Hawley is saying, hey, hey, what happened to DOJ? You know? DOJ should be on the case. I mean, FBI sent, what, two dozen agents down to investigate a garage pull at Bubba Wallace's garage there with NASCAR? Where is the uh, DOJ hate crimes investigation? What's up with that? Okay, this is over One American News. Nashville's Christian community is in deep grief after the mass school shooting. One America's Stella Escobedo spoke to Pastor Jeremy McGarity of Skyline Church in California, who called the attack a hate crime on Christians. And indeed, that's exactly what happened. But again, the police department, I believe, is being ordered not to release the evidence of the hate crime. That's what's going on here. NBC News says fear pervades Tennessee's trans community amid focus on Nashville shooters' gender identity. Subtitle. One transgender advocate in the state said, we were already fearing for our lives. Now it's even worse. The great Robbie Starbuck, who ran for the Republican nomination for Congress over there in the Nashville area, says, are you serious, NBC News? A trans mass murderer just killed six innocent people, including three little kids, and you're running a victim puff piece about how trans people in Tennessee are the real victims? This is why we call you the enemy of the people. The great Jack Posobiec over human events says, not a single person on the left today apologized for their violent rhetoric after Christian children were gunned down in a school. In fact, they doubled down on it. Remember the next time, remember this, the next time, they're demanding an apology. Steve Manning, over there on Twitter, says, Biden says transgenderism is acknowledging your God-given abilities. If that's true, God gave you the ability to be a boy or a girl. Transgenderism directly contradicts that. Indeed, it does. Another guy over here on Twitter says, it goes by BBQ Chuckin, says, we will look back on the trans movement and the mutilation of children like we look back at slavery. We will wonder how on earth people ever thought chemically castrating kids was ever acceptable practice anywhere. Yeah. It's outrageous 
And it is indeed a spiritual problem. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. The Colorado Springs shooter identified as non-binary. The Denver shooter identified as trans. The Aberdeen shooter identified as trans. And the Nashville shooter identified as trans. Looks kind of like a... uh, Kind of like a trend to me. You know? It's ridiculous. Something's going to have to give. Trans activist goes on unhinged rant calling on trans people in Tennessee to fight. Using words like beat them, hurt them. Now, let me tell you about a hero a schoolgirl who was shot and killed. And this, this ironically, is also from the UK Daily Mail. A schoolgirl who was shot and killed while trying to pull the fire alarm to stop a transgender shooter from opening fire on her classmates has been pictured for the first time. Nine-year-old Evelyn Decaus, One of the victims shot by 28-year-old Audrey Hale after she opened fire at the private Christian school on Monday. Her family has described her as a shining light and said they are completely broken by her death. They added she had been desperately trying to pull the fire alarm to get help when the shooting unfolded on Monday. Tributes have flooded in for a second victim, Will Kenny, who was shot and killed along with nine-year-old Hallie Scruggs in the massacre. His family called him unfailingly kind and always inclusive of others, as well as praising him for loving his two younger sisters. A GoFundMe set up by a family friend of the Kinney's said, Will had an unflappable spirit. He was unfailingly kind, gentle, when the situation called for it, quick to laugh and always inclusive of others. He loved his sisters, adored his parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, and was always excited to host friends of every age. Sweet Will knew no strangers, and our hearts are broken for his family as they try to find their way forward. Well, I hope GoFundMe doesn't shut them down because they've done that with a number of conservatives in the past. Headmistress Dr. Catherine Kuntz, 60, substitute teacher, 61-year-old Cynthia Peak, and 61-year-old Chef Mike Hill were also killed in the mass shooting. The daughter of Mike, who had worked at the school for more than a decade, said that she never thought he would be killed in a mass shooting. Brittany Hill posted online saying, I've watched school shootings happen over the years and never thought I would lose a loved one over a person trying to solve a temporary problem with a permanent solution. I will not say her name because I will not glorify her actions. I wish the media would not say her name ever again. I am so sorry for the loss of those children. Seeing their names not called out safe was devastating, as well as the chaplain telling me and my siblings and family this god-awful news. And they have pictures of the victims. 
Oh, my. His niece added that three other family members also worked at the school at the time of the shooting but were not harmed. Hale used the names Audrey and Aiden, but her preferred pronouns were he, him, according to a LinkedIn page. Police confirmed on Tuesday she had previously attended the school in Nashville, but her motive for the shooting was unclear. It's clear. The motive is clear. It's in the manifesto, which they won't release. Now, why do you think that is? Police Chief John Drake added that Hale had been suffering from an emotional disorder at the time of the shooting. Hale has been described as having high-functioning autism. I knew it! But police revealed that she was under a doctor's care. Her parents, Norma and Ronald Hale, knew that she had a weapon at one time, but told her to sell it because they thought she couldn't be trusted with it. Instead... She hid her stockpile and added to it, buying seven different weapons in total from five local stores. Now, where'd she get the money to do that? She have a job or something? Nashville Police Chief Drake added, law enforcement knew nothing about the treatment, and it is apparent that she should not own weapons. Authorities, well, wait a minute, I thought red flags laws were supposed to be the the perfect solution for all this. Authorities also confirmed that Hale's mother, Norma, had asked her what was in a red backpack she was carrying on the morning of the murders, but she dismissed her question. Monday, she took three of her weapons to the Covenant School, two rifles and a handgun. Another two weapons were seen being removed from the house. Monday, in a video obtained exclusively by Daily Mail, Police Chief Drake said of her family, they felt she had one weapon and that she had sold it. She was under doctor's care for an emotional disorder. Her parents felt like she should not own weapons, and they were under the impression that she didn't own any anymore, but she had been hiding several within the house. That's a problem when you go on your feelings, you know. It comes after a doctor posted a final haunting image of school children peacefully listening to her talk an hour before the shooting. Yeah, missionary Brittany Grayson visited the Covenant School in Nashville on Monday morning, leaving after talking about their life. Their life. No, Brittany Grayson is a she. She's not plural. This is just horrible. Talking about her life in Kenya at 10, 12 a.m. Less than 20 minutes later, Hale shot her way into the private Christian school and killed six before being gunned down by police. All three of the children had been in the chapel learning the word jambo, whatever that means, and singing verses of amazing grace to perform for their grandparents next week, according to Dr. Grayson. Oh, jambo must have been a, a word that Dr. Grayson learned in Kenya. The doctor based in Kenya visited the school with her husband, Michael Wilfong, after they were invited by friends whose daughters attended the school. Dr. Grayson posted a heartbreaking picture of the innocent children sitting and listening to her talk before they were forced into a lockdown amid the active shooter alert.
It is not known if any of the children who were killed in the brutal attack were pictured in the image. Horrified parents rushed to the school shortly after the active shooter alert on Monday, which saw several others placed into lockdown. It took police 14 minutes to arrive and shoot Hale dead with body cam footage revealing the moment they came across her in the school. She had been shooting at police officers through a window with cops taking less than six minutes to track her down within the building. See, I've been hearing that she was shooting through a window at the police, but I didn't see any evidence of that on the body cams. Parents of students have been back to the school to pray for those who died, as well as leave tributes for the fourth graders who were murdered. Okay, that's not true. These folks are Presbyterians. They don't pray for the dead. They pray for the families. They pray for the survivors. I'm just saying, you can't always take the media for granted that they're telling the truth. Presbyterians don't pray for the dead. They're already in the presence of the Lord. God's already taken care of them. You know, uh, our Catholic friends talk about praying for the repose of whoever. Uh, you know, some Catholics may do that. Uh, that's that's not a Presbyterian thing. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. I mean, they may be praying for us, but there's no there's no need for us to pray for them. Hale left a detailed manifesto and plan for the shooting at her home and in her car. But officers have yet to disclose its contents. Yeah. See, that would disturb the narrative of so-called transgenders being the victims. Police shared a picture of the Honda Fit. She drove to the Covenant School and announced they had found additional material written by Hale from the manifesto she had left. They also posted photos of the doors of the school, which Hale had shot out in order to gain entry. Police confirmed the glass doors had been locked when Hale arrived. The small school is run by a church and does not employ a school resource officer. Hale also allegedly had planned out an attack on another school, but decided not to attack there after believing there was too much security According to Nashville Police Chief John Drake in a Monday afternoon press conference, before driving to the school, she messaged a friend on Instagram telling them, no, the friend was not a them, the friend was either a he or a she, telling the friend, I'm planning to die today, this is not a joke, You'll probably hear about me on the news after I die. This is my last goodbye. I love you. See you again in another life. Audrey, parentheses, Aiden. Nope, you're not going to see your friend in another life. That's not the way this works. That's not the way any of this works. Too bad you didn't believe it. Too bad you were in for a brutal surprise when they pumped you full of lead and, as the great Rush Limbaugh would say, you assumed room temperature. Yeah, that's not the way this works. On CNN, Adriana Patton, a former classmate of the Nashville school shooter, joined Aaron Burnett 
and shared the chilling messages she received from the shooter shortly before the attack. And Malinka Amit responded, I don't recall media interviewing friends of Adam Lanza, the Sandy Hook shooter, or Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland school shooter in Florida, in an attempt to glean what may have been going on with them before they murdered kids. Why this biased coverage like they're trying to find any way to humanize this murderer? That's a really good question. Jack Posobiec over Human Events says, release the manifesto. I say it too. Release the manifesto. But I don't expect it to happen, do you? Yeah, I doubt they ever will. And that's a shame. Charlie Kirk, talk show host, says, so a deranged woman wasn't allowed to dress like a man at her parents' house, murders a bunch of Christian kids and school employees and right-wing influencers are somehow responsible? Am I doing this right? Yeah, that's what a lot of liberals are saying out there. Yeah. So uh, there was a response here. Religious intolerance and the inability of Christians to understand LGBTQ plus people is one of the main reasons why parents disown their children. My own mother once told me if she ever found out that I was gay, she would disown me. Hate comes in many forms. Somebody else said, intolerance of Christians. Seriously, it was a trans that was intolerant of accepting that Christians can behave, can believe differently. You can't force someone to like you. You know, it can be frustrating when people insist on seeing the world upside down. When people insist Oh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. So this guy responded to the UK Daily Mail story saying Nashville school shooter Audrey Hale's parents couldn't accept she was gay and trans. This guy said, conversation with my daughter when she told me she was gay. She said, Dad, I met someone. I said, awesome. Who is it? She said, her name is Morgan. I said, OMG, I'm so happy for you. She, crying, says, I wasn't sure how to tell you. I said, I don't care. All I care about is that you're happy. I love you. True story. So that was the guy's response to the Daily Mail story about the school shooter's parents couldn't accept she was gay and trans. So I responded to him, said, gee, if only Audrey's parents had sacrificed their beliefs, maybe their daughter wouldn't have murdered little children. They have so much to learn from you. Hey, you know... Sometimes, sometimes, I believe sarcasm is called for. And if you don't, you might want to read your Bible because God uses sarcasm in the Bible. He does. He does. Several responses I noticed to the UK Daily Mail's story 
out there on Twitter. First of all, the great Sean Davis, CEO of the Federalist, says, however much you hate the media, you do not hate it nearly enough. Sean K. Davis, not to be confused with Sean Davis, says, right on cue, the leftist media begins weaving the tale of how the murderer was the true victim. Rolo Tomasi says, this is the affirm our gender or we will kill kids meme. Some guy who goes by the title of the Duke of Northumberland said, I think they're implying that this is why she murdered three nine-year-old children and three adults, implying and excusing because the media is a moral wasteland. Yeah, I mean, David Vance, he even said it. He even said it. Are they trying to blame her parents on her murderous desires? Yeah, they are. Indeed, they are. Remember what God's word says. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and principalities in high places. Never forget that. If you remember that, perhaps it will help you to keep things in their proper perspective. All right, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. And it's brought to you by Red River Auto. Red River Auto, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to. Online, have delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Today's tweet of the day is a two-parter. First, we got uh, breaking nine one one with about a minute-long scree by Dementia Joe, and then we have uh, the response that puts him in his place. All right, here's Dementia Joe. These are weapons of war. I'm a Second Amendment guy. I have two shotguns. My sons have shotguns. You know. But our states, you know, everybody thinks somehow the Second Amendment is absolute. You're not allowed to go out and own an automatic weapon. You're not allowed to own a machine gun. You're not allowed to own a flamethrower. You're not allowed to own so many other things. Why in God's name do we allow these weapons of war on our streets and at our schools? According to law enforcement, the shooter in this horror had two assault weapons and a pistol. And what in God's name are we doing? These guns are the number gun. This is hard to believe. I never thought when I started my public life that guns would be the number one killer of children in America. Guns, number one. It's sick. And overwhelmingly, a majority of gun owners agree. We have to do something. Not just everybody. The gun owners agree. There's, there's a moral price to pay for inaction. Last year, we came together to pass the most significant gun safety legislation in 30 years. It was bipartisan. We got it done. And don't tell me we can't do more together. Okay, he's a liar. Guns are not the number one cause of death for children in America. Flamethrowers are also broadly legal for uh, personal ownership and use. Only Maryland has outright banned them. Uh, It's perfectly legal for a law-abiding citizen of the United States to buy, own, possess a machine gun or automatic weapon if they're willing to pay 
the extraordinary license fee. Just so you know. But uh, the Anders Paul, who goes by Eric Cherimello's dirty whistle out there on tweet, responds saying, now that we see the mass shooter issue is hitting fringes all over the spectrum, can we all agree there's a mental health crisis in the country? Nope. Biden uses this to score political points with his base instead of addressing the real issue. Sane people don't shoot up schools. There you go. No, that, that's evil. It's, it's more than just mentally ill. A lot of mentally Ill, Ill people don't shoot up schools either, just so you know. No, that's, that's demonic. That's what that is. All right, you've been listening to episode 365 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. Well, that's the way it is. Wednesday, March 29th, 2023.